Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works show. My name is Jake Fenner. I am joined by Tom Adams. Tom, how are you doing on this uh, fine Wednesday evening? Well, aside from my allergies absolutely destroying me at the moment, I would say I'm in a relatively good mood, just perhaps a little bit bittersweet because we obviously are approaching the last match week of the Bundesliga season. We will get to see Bayern Munich lift the title. We will see some of our veteran players go, uh, which will be a relatively hard pill to swallow. But you know what? I'm looking on the bright side because it's not long after that, Jake, that we have the Euros to look forward to for Die Mannschaft. That we do, and we will talk about those Euros coming up. But before we go ahead and do that, this will serve as the audio version of our final day preview The last day of the Bundesliga season is upon us, so let's go ahead and take a look at some of the storylines going into this weekend. Bayern have already clinched the championship. Uh, The UEFA Champions League spots have also been confirmed. Bayern, Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund, and uh, Wolfsburg, though it's yet to be seen whether or not Dortmund will actually hold on to third or whether Wolfsburg will overtake them because those two positions have not been decided yet. The two Europa League spots have been clinched already, uh, going to Eintracht Frankfurt and Bayer Leverkusen. But the final European spot, the Europa Conference League spot, is currently held by Union Berlin, but it is possible that we could see three other teams take it, those teams being Borussia Mönchengladbach, VfB Stuttgart, and FC Freiburg. So, Union are sitting on 7th place with 47 points, right? If they win, they're in. If they draw or lose, and everyone else below them does the same, then they're in as well. Uh, Mönchengladbach are only one point behind them, with the same goal difference. Uh, the minimum for them to clinch is to beat every team below's result and beat Union's result. Or if they draw and Union lose, which Union is playing Erbe Leipzig, so it's highly possible that that could happen. Leipzig want to send Nagelsmann and Upamecano out on a more positive note, I'm assuming. Um, or if they match Union's results and win by one more on goal difference, they will move up and take that spot. Uh, Mönchengladbach is taking on a team that we will mention in a little bit. Uh, as well as a team that is playing VfB Stuttgart. Both of these teams that we will mention later are up for relegation. Uh, Stuttgart, if they win and Union and Mönchengladbach lose, or if they win by three goals and Mönchengladbach lose or draw and Union draws by at least 8-8. Eight to eight. Um, uh, Stuttgart is in. Now, here's the thing, right? I'm mentioning, and I will mention, some ridiculous scorelines and some ridiculous concepts, right? But let's all not forget that Borussia Mönchengladbach has had some tradition with Etze Köln where they need to pull out wins in order to win titles and they've been able to score 12 or 13 goals in a single day to prevent the other from uh, clinching that. It's one of the best parts of the Rhineland derby between the two of them in their history. Lastly, Freiburg, they're playing fifth place Eintracht Frankfurt. They need everyone above them to lose or if they win by four goals and then everybody else loses or draws, then Freiburg are in. So they obviously have a lot of work to do. So, Tom, Mönchengladbach plays a relegation-bound team, Stuttgart plays a relegation-bound team, and Union Berlin play Leipzig. So I'm assuming that those three are probably the most likely to take them. Do you think any of their positions will change? And do you think any of the teams below Union will be taking the Europa Conference League spot from them? I do think there's a good chance of the latter of that happening, Jake, because I agree RB Leipzig have had a tough go of it these past two weeks, having lost to Borussia Dortmund twice in the span of just a couple of days. Obviously, the one in the Bundesliga, despite scoring twice in the second half and almost coming back, 
Jaden Sancho's late, late goal gifted us mathematically the title, even though that was more of an inevitability anyways. Uh, and then just a couple of days later, as we know, lost in the DFA Pokal final. Uh, four to Was it 4-1? to one? I believe it was. I don't know why. I just all of a sudden drew a blank on that. Nonetheless, they lost to Dortmund twice in the span of just a couple of days. And, Jake, you're right. As you mentioned, I think Julian Nagelsmann, Dio Upamecano, and just RB Leipzig as a whole will want to go out on top. Uh, in the season as far as getting a win and ending the season on a on a positive note because of the way that it's kind of crashed and burned at the end, so to speak. That might be a bit too harsh of a term, but the past couple weeks just have not gone their way. And as much as I have been thoroughly impressed with Union Berlin this season, I mean, Jake, we can't forget they were in a Champions League and Europa League spot for quite a few weeks towards the beginning of the season. As we all know, they had such a strong start uh, to this campaign. So, I would hate to see them drop out, but I really do think that RB Leipzig is going to win on this final match day. And from my perspective, too, who I am personally really pulling for is VfB Stuttgart, just because I think they've been in a fantastically exciting team under Pellegrino Matarazza. I think that they've had a difficult, terrible blow in losing Silas Wamangituka in the matchup that they had with us at the Allianz Arena. I believe it was in the Rook Runda. So I feel that they are also very deserving of it. And I think that they have this best shot. Jake, I just don't, I have no idea what's going on with this Minchin Gladbach side in the Rook Runda, but they just seem to have imploded. And, you know, even if they pick up a win here or there within these past couple of weeks, I, I just have zero confidence in them. And, you know, we all, there were all these undertones when Dortmund had beaten Leipzig. Will Bayern's heads not be in the matchup against Minchin Gladbach? And we just obviously completely buried that potential narrative, beating them 6-0. I don't know if it's the fact that Marco Rosa is leaving after the season's over and perhaps a lot of players want to, to leave as well because they don't want to play for the incumbent manager or, or what the case will be. But uh, from that standpoint, I think that uh, Stuttgart really has this uh, this very positive chance, and even Freiburg as well, who showed a lot of fight against us last week, coming coming from behind and getting that 2-2 draw after uh, a certain someone scored his 40th goal of the season. But Jake, personally, I'm I'm pulling for Stuttgart, and I think it's very possible that they leapfrog Union Berlin because Leipzig is not going to want to lose on this final match day. I mean, my theory is that München Gladbach have basically lost all will to play for Marco Rosa, and we've seen that in that in the moments immediately after he announced. There was negative feedback from the team. There were negative results from the team. I want München Gladbach to go up, right? I want them or Stuttgart to go up, right? Uh, I'm rooting for Stuttgart because, obviously, of course, Matarazzo, but uh, I'm also rooting for Stuttgart because uh, I have a jersey that's been waiting uh, somewhere in either Germany or American customs to get shipped to my house coming from Stuttgart. Uh, U.S. Postal Service, get on that. I need that thing. I ordered that thing back in February, and I don't know why it's been taking so long. Um and I just got a contact from the club earlier today saying that it's their fault. So, you know, problems from November. Which kit did you November. get? Was it the uh, one of the special edition ones? or It was. Home or it was away? a special edition it was, kit. It special and whenever that comes out, I will be posting it on my uh, my Twitter. So be sure to look so out for that. I think I have an idea. I think I have an idea in my head which one it was. I remember when they had all these special edition mm -hmm. ones out. So mm -hmm. I am vicariously excited. When it happens, I will uh, I will absolutely be sharing it. Um, I would like for either Stuttgart or München Gladbach to go up, but I think it's more likely that München Gladbach go up solely because they do not need as much as Stuttgart do. Right, Stuttgart are two points behind Union; they're three goals behind Union, whereas München Gladbach are only one point. And no goals behind them. So I think it's more likely that München Gladbach go up. Especially considering the team that they're playing. And we can get into that now. So relegation for uh, the Bundesliga. Uh, Armenia Bielefeld, Werder Bremen, Etze Köln, and Schalke are the four teams currently in a relegation battle. Well, in reality, it's three teams. Because Schalke have already been confirmed to be... Dead last for a while. They've been confirmed to be relegated for a while. Uh, Mainz and Hertha Berlin 
were officially safe after this last weekend, so congratulations to both of them. Um, so now we get to look at Bielefeld, who's playing Stuttgart, and we get to see Werder Bremen, who are playing Mönchengladbach. And then finally we have Köln, one of the historical teams of German football, a fan favorite for a lot of people that really don't support them. Like, from what I've seen, like, there are no people that really have problems with Köln if they're not fans of, like, Bayer Leverkusen or Mönchengladbach. Um, nevertheless, uh, Bielefeld are playing Stuttgart. They're obviously trying to play for something. Bremen play Mönchengladbach. They're obviously playing for something. Köln need a lot, but they're playing a bad Schalke team. So, I think any of these are possible scenarios, but keep this in mind, right? Vöde Bremen currently hold the playoff spot, right? Köln cannot qualify for the playoff spot. If they draw, they are so far behind on goal difference that they will not be able to make up the difference logically, right? Werder Bremen are 19 goals down, and Kohn are 27 goals down from a zero goal difference. So if they draw, there is no way that they can move up one point. They would have to win in order to move up. So if they win and Bremen draw and... Armenia Bielefeld draws or loses, they can go up because Bielefeld have a negative 28 goal difference. So Köln have one goal better. So they could win and everybody else loses or draws and then automatically Köln are safe from everything, right? Bremen, uh, if they lose and Köln draw, then they're staying in their relegation playoff spot. Uh, they need to win and for Bielefeld to draw or lose. If Bielefeld wins, then they're in. So, considering the 15th and 16th place teams are playing teams that are trying to actively win something versus Köln, who's playing a, Stutt a Schalke team, not a Stuttgart team, a Schalke team who have nothing to play for and are just utterly broken in every way, shape, or form, Tom, what do you think can happen here? And who do you like out of these three teams? Yeah, I mean, Jake, as you uh, had pretty much laid the foreground for a lot, quite a lot can happen. And it's quite interesting that there's going to be so much implication on this final match day of the season with all the matches being played simultaneously, of course. Um, it, it is very interesting. And of course, if we are going purely on results and the overall context of the season... You know, I would have to say with everything on the line that FC Köln will come out and produce a three points against Schalke. But, of course, we saw a completely, like, what-the-hell Schalke side against Eintracht Frankfurt last season. Or, excuse me, uh, last match week, beating them 4-3. to three. Absolutely nobody saw that coming. It uh, did not do anything good uh, for my fantasy team other than Andre Silva's goal. Starring Philip Kostic in that match was... Uh, not the best decision in retrospect, uh, but didn't have time. Uh, I was busy actually doing the post-match pod for, for us, for our 2-2 draw with Freiburg. I didn't have the uh, the time to get rid of him in my midfield and star somebody else, so that that wasn't very exciting at all. But um, And also, I would just hate to see the same team two years in a row in the playoff spot, so because of that, I would do not want Werder Bremen to finish in that 16th spot. I personally think that Given the, the matchup and what you have to look at, FC Köln does have the easiest route out of this relegation zone, and I think Werder Bremen uh, have to be the ones that are most concerned playing Borussia Mönchengladbach, as we had just mentioned, who are going for that last Conference League spot and obviously want to do that so they can somehow redeem what's been a, a very turbulent rook run to after it's been announced that, as you said, Jake, Marco Rosa was departing for Borussia Dortmund uh, this summer, so... And just, as you mentioned, too, from a historical aspect, obviously Werder, uh, Schalke, FC Köln all have such rich history in the Bundesliga and in German football as a whole. But you're right. And I am one of those people who falls into the category, obviously, as a Bayern fan uh, and a fan of the Bundesliga. It's so difficult to root against FC Köln when they're not playing Bayern. And just given the, uh, the historical background that they have in the league, the strong following, 
you know, the neutral supporters seem to have an affinity for them and, you know, not only just the team, but the city itself. Also, it was unfortunate earlier this year that Hennis, the, uh, the team's mascot, had passed away, uh, which is very, very unfortunate. You know, rest in peace, Hennis. That's, uh, she was a, or was it a female? I Now I feel like I'm terrible on the spot for not knowing that, but any FC Cologne fan will, will tell you how big a part of a club that, uh, that uh, Hennes was obviously with the, the team being the Billy goats. Um, I know both friends of the pod and who have both been on Jake, Phil, Bonnie and Derek Ray are both big fans of FC Cologne. I believe, uh, Bonnie actually lives there, uh, or at least does for large portions of each year. So I would hope, and also predict that they would get the result against Schalke and they will squeeze out of that 17th spot and survive and stay in the Bundesliga. And then it's just a matter of who's going to finish in that 16th spot. Either, um, you know, is it going to be Armenia Bielefeld? Is it going to be somebody else? But we'll see. And I just I don't want to have the same, just for the sake of, you know, having a different matchup, I would not want to have uh, Werder Bremen finish in that 16th spot again, and I, I don't think they will because I think Mitch and Gladbach are going to uh, take the points off of them. Yeah, I want to go back to Hennis, R.I.P. to Hennis, R.I.P. to the GOAT. Oh, literally. Um, so my hope is that Kohn are able to come out of this alive. Uh, my hope is that Bielefeld are able to play another day, and my hope is that Werder Bremen go down. I think it's I think it's time. Uh, Florian Kohfeldt has been a great coach, but uh, his team has not performed well at all. Nick Fulkrug has not made the impact that they need in order for uh, the team to stay up. Neither has Josh Sargent. The midfield hasn't been nearly as dynamic as they have in years past, and the defense just ugh, their defense. Uh, I would say that this is. I feel only sad. I would say for Josh Sargent and Yuri Pavlenka. Um, other than them, I'm perfectly fine with Werder Bremen going down. Not to mention, it's been so long since we've had a Nord Derby. And I think it's about time we get a Nord Derby in the second division. Um, but yeah, my hope is that Köln stay up. I think they're probably the most likely team to be able to stay up, especially considering they are only playing Schalke. Uh, so who knows? We will have to see. But let's go ahead and move on to the final two divisions. Uh, we have Wauerfeld Bochum and Holstein Kiel and Greuther Firth fighting for promotion in the Zweite Bundesliga. Uh, Bochum are already confirmed going up. It's the first time since the 2009-10 season for them. Holstein Kiel have the chance to go up to the Bundesliga for the first time in their history. The last time they were even close to this was the promotion round of the 1964-65 season. And that was back when the teams actually played like a semi-group stage in order to see who automatically got promoted and who had to play a one-off playoff in order to get up and in. And Kiel finished third in that group, so they weren't even close to being able to go up. Uh, and then Greuther Firth have only played one season in the Bundesliga. It was a terrible season for them. They finished dead bottom and they went down the next season. They haven't been back up since. Uh, but here's the thing. All three teams are confirmed to at least make the relegation playoff because Fortuna Dusseldorf are so far behind. They're five points off of third place, so there is no way that any of these teams are going to get knocked out. There are two spots uh, left. There are two spots for automatic promotion. One of them is left. Uh, Kiel are playing eighth place, Asphalt Darmstadt, and Furth are playing the aforementioned Fortuna Dusseldorf. So, Tom, I like Holstein Kiel. I want Holstein Kiel to come up. I think it's a great story despite them beating Bayern Munich. If anything, that adds to the quality and the novelty of this story. Uh, Holstein Kiel going up after making it all the way to the semifinals for any team in the Zweite Liga, making it to semifinals might be the highlight of your season. But if they can do that and then go up at the same time, it's a fantastic year for them. Uh, Bochum hasn't confirmed the title yet, but they play 15th place Sandhausen, who we will get to later. And then again, fourth play Dusseldorf. So Tom, realistically, all three of these teams could win the title. Uh, 
Foot need everybody above them to lose. Keel needs just Balkum to lose, and if Balkum match everything, they win the title. So who do you think will get it? I know that we don't really do a lot of Zvita coverage, but go ahead and just give me a quick gut feeling on this one. I personally think that VFL Balkum will hold on and claim the, the two Bundesliga crowd, or excuse me, crown. I also would love Holstein Kiel to get sh make sure that they get enough points to stay in that second spot and come right back and come up to the Bundesliga for the first time. That would be a fantastic story. I think your average Bundesliga follower or you know viewer would not uh, maybe necessarily know that they've had a number of injuries to their squad in the Rukrunda and have been completely fatigued and exhausted. You know, if you are somebody who watched that historic. Uh, win against Bayern Munich in the DFB Paul call in the earlier stages and then uh, watched their absolute demolition <laughs> at the Westfalen Stadion by Borussia Dortmund in the semifinals, you would think this wasn't the same team at all because it was completely night and day and, you know, completely different looking sides that, that went out and, you know, faced the uh, the Bundesliga Giants, so to speak. But I don't think that in any way is a, is a good barometer of how this team has performed uh, in their domestic league over the course of the season, and I think that they definitely deserve to go up to the Bundesliga for the first time in their history, and I think that's going to happen. I just can't see VfL Bochum dropping any points against Sandhausen, so I think that it's basically going to finish in the three that it is now in VfL Bochum, Holstein, Kiel, and Firth, and obviously, as you said, Dusseldorf not having enough to even get that third spot, but Jake, just... Should we just say a quick word? How many more? How many? Yeah. Ch how many chances yeah. are Hamburg as Val going to blow to get back in the Bundesliga? How many? Apparently, all of them. Apparently, they need to win both rounds of the Derby in or uh, against uh, Sankt Pauli in order for them to go up. And I doubt that that will happen anytime soon. I'm just gonna savor this for a while, right? I know Hamburg are a traditional team, but you know what? I want to savor this moment. Right, just as a broad Bundesliga fan, right? I know I'm. I'm gonna remove my Bayern hat. I'm gonna bask in the uh, ha, uh, the uh, Bundesliga fan hat. Yeah, sure. Hamburg being in the top flight probably helps the league, but you know what? I I, I kind of like it. I kind of like them not being there. I like the fact that the Stadion Ur doesn't have any significance anymore. I like that this team pl consistently plays Sankt Pauli, whereas before they played them, what, only two times in the top division, and now they're getting relatively thrashed by them every single time. So I enjoy it. I enjoy them being in fifth. Um, I'm actually very disappointed, but almost in a positive way. I don't know if that exists, but oh well, here we are. Uh, now we move on to relegation. Uh, both of the second and third division have four teams fighting for relegation, so let's go over each of the teams, right? SSV, Jan Regensburg, they are not going to be automatically relegated. They are four points ahead of the 17th place team, and therefore they cannot drop to automatic relegation. They can drop to the playoff, however. Uh, they play St. Pauli. Uh, Sandhausen, as we mentioned, play Valafel Bochum. Uh, Esgebirge Aua take on 16th place Valafel Osnabrück. And then Hamburg take on 17th place Eintracht Braunschweig. So Braunschweig need a lot in order to get up. In order to clinch safety, they need to win by 7 or greater, have Osnabrück draw or lose, and then have Sandhausen lose. And that is the only way that they are able to get up. In order to clinch the relegation playoff, they need to win and then have Osnabrück lose, or win by four and have Osnabrück draw, which they're playing Hamburg, and Hamburg is scorned, so I have no clue why they think they'd actually be able to do that. So, Awa versus Osnabrück. Osnabrück can drop to automatic relegation if they lose and Braunschweig win, or if they draw and Braunschweig win by four or greater. They already hold the playoff spot. Uh, for Sandhausen to drop to automatic relegation, they need to lose 1-0 and Osnabrück win and if Braunschweig win by 7 or greater, and if they lose 1-0 and Osnabrück win, they drop to the relegation playoff. Uh, only way that Jan Regensburg drops to the relegation playoff is if they lose and then Sandhausen and Osnabrück win. So, uh, I know that that is a lot to throw on your plate, Tom. 
So just I'll just put it this way, right? Uh, a lot of these teams look pretty set in where they are, right? Sandhausen is playing Bochum, so I doubt that they'll be able to pick up full points there, uh, especially seeing as they're fighting for a title. Jan Regensburg taking on St. Pauli. St. Pauli is always a tough team to play. So let's talk about the bottom two spots, right? Erzgebirge Gebirge-Auer versus Osnabrück and Hamburg versus Eintracht Braunschweig, right? One of those two teams, I'm pretty sure, is going down. Because unless Braunschweig can pull out seven goals against Hamburg, and then both Sandhausen and Osnabrück lose, that's just not going to happen. So, tying is a little more possible. So, do you think that either Osnabrück or Braunschweig will be swapping places with the other. Well, I think it's a little bit unrealistic, Jake. What we could do is play a devil's advocate here and kind of bask in the general malaise that is hamburg Esval at the moment, as I know you would kindly partake in. And you know what? We could say this is an Eintracht-Braunschweig side that went ahead and scored five goals against Hertha Berlin earlier this year in the first round of the DFB-Pokal. So if they can do it against Hertha, they can definitely do it on the last match day uh, of the season and perhaps uh, leapfrog Osnabrück. And, you know, if if there was ever a day when you just wanted another really big hamburg Val capitulation, uh, this Sunday would be it because... If they do so and Eintracht Braunschweig are able to put on a first-round Tampa Pokal performance, five goals against Hertha Berlin, and they're able to do that against Hamburg S. Val, I mean, I mean, dream on. Could happen. While unlikely, it could happen, Jake. And I know that you would definitely take the opportunity to pounce on Hamburg S. Val a little bit, just a little bit more. As much as I would, I really don't think it'll happen. I think Hamburg are very angry, and I think they... Uh, they need to go ahead and start focusing on the next season, and they can do that with a win. And I think Braunschweig really don't have it in them. So I imagine the table will finish exactly how we see it now, with Regensburg and Sandhausen being safe, Osnabrück going to the playoff, and Braunschweig getting automatically dropped. Now, third division. Uh, this is an interesting one for me personally, because uh, my supposed and guessed uh, uh, familial team, ancestral team, uh, Dinamo Dresden, are currently the pole position uh, team to win the Dritte Liga crown. So, so that's weird for me. Um, Hansa Rostock another kind of iffy, shaky team. If you, if you consider Dinamo Dresden's uh, politics to be a little shaky, then you will definitely consider Hansa Rostock's to be extremely shaky. Um, they are the two pole position teams. So outside of the fact that they're both kind of like iffy teams, it's kind of fun seeing two former uh, DDR Oberliga teams in the pole position to go up to the second division, and they would be joining teams like Erzgebirge Awa, so that would be fun. I would enjoy seeing that. Uh, but that is not important. Neither of them are important, right? Dinamo Dresden is on 72 points, Rostock's on 70 points, right? Um... It's basically a battle between the two of them. Uh, Dinamo play Vey and Wiesbaden, who are in sixth, and Rostock play already relegated 19th place VfB Lübeck. But the most important game of this entire weekend is FC Ingolstadt versus 1860 München. It's a third place versus a fourth place battle, Tom. Ingolstadt are on 68 points. If they win and Rostock lose, they get automatically promoted. 1860 cannot get automatically promoted, but if they beat Ingolstadt, then they drop Ingolstadt down to fourth place and 1860 hop into the relegation playoff spot. So it's another Bavarian derby on our hands. Who do you like? And I, I, I know that we might be tempted to not say 1860 because we can't, like we quote-unquote can't, but who who do you think? Who do you like? Oh, I, I have to say, I mean, I don't 
watch much of the uh, the Zweite Liga, Jake, the, the the three Bundesliga, but I think that on this podcast, I'd be hard pressed to say anything positive about 1860 München, and I think that we'd get a lot of stick if we went ahead and, and predicted something in their favor. Uh, and I'm also just going to go off of the fact that a quick look off the stat sheet, you know, Ingolstadt have not lost a game since the beginning of April, if I my eyes are not playing tricks on me. Quite a few draws, but, you know, not getting not getting beaten in any of them and you know including a 1-1 recent draw with Hansa Rostock a 5-1 will 5-1 win recently over MSV Duisburg in the last match match day so uh you know y- you compare and contrast form i think things are working just perhaps a little bit in Ingolstadt's favor not just to go out and directly say absolutely not i'm not going to root for 1860 München because you know they've had pretty much just just about the same uh run of form that Ingolstadt has. So this really is actually going to be a good matchup. Um, and I believe it looks like they even played each other uh, in the Bavarian Cup not too long ago in 1860 München, one out in penalties. So hopefully Ingolstadt will be out for a little bit of revenge in this one so that we don't have to worry about 1860 getting somehow closer to Bayern Munich in one way or another. I actually want 1860 to, to get closer to Bayern. I miss that, right? I miss that Bavarian derby. And I have this theory, right? I have this theory right now that Bayern's closest rivals are Real Madrid. Because if you honestly take a look and think about it, right? Do most Bayern fans really have animosity, like historical animosity towards Borussia Dortmund? Because I root for Dortmund. I like when Dortmund does well. I love Holland. I love Sancho. I love Gio Reyna. I even like Mahmoud Dahoud in some way, shape, or form. Right? Mats Hummels. Uh, Marco Royce is one of my favorite non-Bayern players ever. It's hard for me to hate them. Even Leipzig. Leipzig, they're, they suck. But they're a fun team to watch. They're a great and fantastic team to watch. Right? And with 1860 being so far low... Right? I don't think Bayern really has a rival in Germany anymore. What, are you going to say Kaiserslautern? The team that almost got relegated from the third division and almost was playing amateur football for the first time in their 120-year history? Are you going to say Nuremberg, who are stuck in the second league right, and haven't really been competitive? Are you going to say Augsburg, which are the only Bavarian team that Bayern consistently plays in the Bundesliga? It's really none of them because none of those games have been competitive. Yeah, sure, you can claim a couple of Augsburg games where they were close to Bayern, right? But definitely not on the level of, like, matching dominance. So to me, it's Real Madrid until 1860 comes up. And then you have that rivalry again. Every single year, I root for Bayern in 1860 to draw each other in the DFB Pokal because I have never experienced Bayern versus 1860 as a fan of Bayern in my in my lifetime as a fan of Bayern. So, at least Bayern's first team that is. Yes, we have seen the reserves face them, but that's not the in same. In speaking thing. of that, that is a great pivot point because what I think about this doesn't necessarily matter because here's the sticking point, and here's the real reason why everybody should be. Uh, rooting and watching Dritte Liga football this weekend. Bayern 2 are about to get relegated. It's like one of the worst title defenses in the history of European football, regardless of division, right? I have never heard of a team winning a title and then getting relegated the next season. The closest like sporting comparison I can have is the year that the New York Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl and then failed to make the playoffs the next year. But this is worse. This is so much worse, Tom, right? So let's go over relegation right now. There there were four teams coming into Monday, but that's only because Valhofer Lübeck had two games to go. Right, and Lübeck lost on Monday, so they're joining Unterhaking and going down. So there are three teams, right? 16th place, KFC Erdogan 05, uh, 17th place, Asfal Meppen, and then 18th place, Bayern Munich 2. So let's go over all three of them, right? After winning back-to-back games in April, Erdogan only managed two wins in their next nine matches, including five losses. Of the three teams currently facing relegation, they play the toughest opponent in uh, SV Waldhof Mannheim. Uh, they're in eighth place. Uh, 
One anecdote, and I'm just kind of basically reading from my article right now. One anecdote summarizes why Asfal Mepin uh, are in this situation. They have not won a game since March 21st. Even worse, their record is zero wins, two draws, six losses. They played Duisburg. But if you think that is bad, let me tell you about Bayern 2. Their last win came against Vejen Wiesbaden on March 7th. They have gone two months since they last won, and their record is zero wins, four draws, and seven losses. They play 11th place Halescher in order to stay alive. Now, here's an important thing. There is no relegation playoff between a... Because bottom four teams get relegated and there are 20. So 17, 18, 19, and 20 all get automatically relegated. 16th place does not have a relegation playoff. 17th place does not have a relegation playoff. It is really just... You're safe or you're not. There is no second chance. There is no play-in game. So right now, Erdogan have that pole position. They're win and in. Or if they draw, and if Mepin, right? So this is funny, right? Uh, the goal difference between Esfal and Mepin is negative 25. The goal difference for Bayern is negative 10. The goal difference for Erdogan is negative 12. So... We're close. We're, we're pretty close, right? So I guess that might be the only thing in favor of Bayern 2. If they win and both of the teams above them lose, they're in. They're safe because they have a better goal difference than Erdingen right now, and they have a by far better goal difference than Meppen, right? So if Meppen win by less than 13 goals, Erdingen is in. If they win by more than 13 goals and Erdogan draws, then Meppen go in. But more importantly, Bayern 2, if they win and Meppen either draw or lose, and KFC loses, then somehow they survive after that massive slide. Tom. Meppen play a 14th place team. Bayern play an 11th place team. Erdogan play an 8th place team. Who stays up? I mean, just solely based off the question, you know, just on the surface level, it you want to say Meppen based off of who everybody's playing, but you got to hope that Bayern's reserves stay up because as you had previously alluded to, this is such a massive deal for Bayern's reserves. I mean, obviously there was a lot of difficult situations in the beginning of the seasons, uh, season, excuse me, guys leaving. Uh, managerial shifts based off of you know what coaching positions certain people were going to hold at Bayern Munich, Miroslav Klose, uh, Danny Schwartz, uh, Martin Demichelis. There was a lot of shifts in that in that sense. Um, I think we only had from the reserve standpoint at one point, Jake. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but when we were building up to the season, like only. 15 or 16 fit outfield players and all this is also taken into account that the season before Joshua Zarexi and Jamal Musiala had been sent up to the the first team right so there was just not a lot of resources it was a very very difficult situation and a lot of things are going against the reserves but for you know the system that Bayern operates you know and it's all of its youth academies its reserve system all the way up to the first team this would be absolutely huge in a negative way if they were to get relegated. It is absolutely massive for them to try and hope to stay uh, in the three Liga because, you know, everything it offers and everything it promotes for our system and then potential players being offloaded uh, to lower-level Bundesliga clubs, which is a, a very good business model for Bayern Munich, and then perhaps even working their way into the first team for Bayern Munich uh, and making an impact there. So very unfortunate if they're not able to get a result and have other results go their way but you know the odds definitely are not in the in their favor for this final match week sad to say do you remember who the leading scorer was for FC Bayern 2 last year tom last year uh it wasn't quasi right was it yes it was uh quasi right in 33 games he had 24 goals for the team. He was a very 
important and impactful player. The leading goal scorer for Bayern 2 this year is Timo Kern, who is currently injured. He has 8 in 22 games. The next closest is Jan Fita Arp with 5. And then Len Yastrzemski and Nicholas Kuhn both have 4. Leon Dejaku has 3 in 14. Right? Like, we... We as a as a team, right, are terrible, terrible, terrible right now, right? We're losing arguably our best player in Angelo Stiller from this team over the summer, and now here we are with little to no attacking, with a center forward, a starting center forward in Jan Fita Arp. Right. By the way, allow allow me to reiterate, right? Quasi free, twenty four goals in thirty three games. Jan Fita Arp has five in 30. That is a terrible goal scoring rate from somebody who we bought from Hamburg with the idea that he was not only going to be the Bayern striker of the future, but the Germany striker of the future. You're telling me five goals is going to be your best season in the third division. And I heard he got mad that he wasn't getting consistent starting time. Not like to the effect that Renato Sanchez had, but to some effect he was mad with not getting the best starting time. Well, Jake, we can just blame Chuck because he started up the the ARP train way too fast, way too quick and it went off the tracks. You he, know, he's derailed it. He had to go a little bit slower, you know, and maintain a steady speed and just maybe just maybe we'd be getting somewhere with ARP aka the Burger King, but you know, uh Chuck just went full throttle on that, you know, and yeah. You know the tracks were not built to handle that kind of speed for this guy. What are you? What? What are you? What are you doing, bud? What are you? What are you doing, Chuck? It's all your. It's all your fault. We'll have to check um, in on him uh, pretty soon on that, and you know, <laughs> the light over yeah. his head and be like, Chuck, what were you thinking, hyping this guy up way too soon, way too quickly? Yep. Bayern are getting relegated. I I have full confidence in the fact that Bayern are getting relegated. Right, so they have not performed well at all since, like, March. Like, really, in the Rookrunde, they were doing really, really bad. In the Hindrunde, they were, like, possibly going to challenge to try and win the title again. It was really, like, them versus 1860, and then they both fell off, but one fell from, like, first to fourth the other fell from like third to 17th so you tell me what is worse um i do not think that they have the necessary goal scoring to fight for an extra game and in case anyone was wondering no they cannot send scabs down because the game is at 7 30 on saturday and every Bundesliga game kicks off at 9.30 on Saturday on the final day. So there is no way that that is possible. Um, yeah, Bayern 2 are going down. And I I think the table's going to stay the same. I think Erdogan are going to stay up. I think Meppen, because they have a negative 25 goal difference, uh, are going to go down. And then Bayern is going down as well. I, I Honestly, I want Bayern to go down. I want this Bayern youth team to go down because I really don't think that they have it in them to keep themselves going. Uh, and that sucks, but it's my story and I'm sticking to it. So we're going to take a break, a very quick break. And when we come back, we are going to very quickly touch on the European Championship squads for uh, Germany and I guess France because we're basically a French team now. So uh, stick with us. Welcome back, and now we take a look at the teams that were called up for the European Championships. We'll start with Germany. So I'll run down the full rosters because there might be some notable people missing. So starting in goal, uh, Manuel Neuer, uh, Bernd Leno from Arsenal, and then Kevin Trapp from Eintracht Frankfurt. And the reason for that is because Marc-Andre Ter Stegen uh, recently just got injured and he's not, uh, being a, he's not able to be called back. Uh, on defense, we have the return of Mats Hummels to the starting lineup. 
alongside Antonio Rüdiger of Chelsea, Matthias Ginter of Borussia Mönchengladbach, Borussia Dortmund teammate of Hummels Emre Can, Nicolas Zula, uh, two Leipzig defenders in Lukas Klostermann and Marcel Hastenberg, Robin Koch of Leeds United, Robin Gosens of Italian side Atalanta, and Christian Günther. Günther? Christian Günther of FC Freiburg, who only had one cap before uh, the Euros, so congratulations to him for doing one cap and then getting in. Uh, notable people not mentioned, uh, Tilo Kerr, Nico Schulz, Felix uh, Uduokai, and Nicholas Stark, as well as Benjamin Heinrichs, uh, not mentioned there. Uh, midfield, Tony Kost is still playing, and he still gets called up, uh, and his former Bavarian teammate, the man with 38 goals, I believe, yeah, the highest goal scorer on this team with 100 caps. It is the return of the Ram Deuter to the German national team. Thomas Müller is back in the uh, German colors. He will be playing for this team. Uh, alongside him, Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, and Roy Sané, as well as Jamal Musiala all from Bayern Munich. Uh, the remaining midfielders are Ilkay Gundogan of Manchester City, Kai Havertz of Chelsea, and then two Borussia Mönchengladbach midfielders, Florian Neuhaus and Jonas Hoffmann. Uh, notable snubs are Florian Wirtz of Bayer Leverkusen, Julian Brandt of Borussia Dortmund, Nadia Mamiri of Bayer Leverkusen, Mahmoud Dahoud of Borussia Dortmund, and Julian Draxler of Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, and then finally, three strikers, Timo Werner of Chelsea, because, of course, uh, Serge Gnabry of Bayern Munich. And instead of Luka Waldschmidt or Amin Yunus, we see Kevin Voland, which is a good thing to see here. So that is the German roster that we have so far. Tom, what are your initial thoughts on this? I think it's pretty cut and dry and pretty straightforward. The writing was pretty much on the wall as far as Mats Hummels and Thomas Müller were concerned. I think Joachim Love eventually made it pretty clear that both of these guys were going to be in the 26-man roster and in his plans for the European Championships. Uh, but I would have to agree, like with the write-up that we had done, um, it, it was a dif difficult thing, as is always the case with a nation like Germany, uh, that you can only take 26 players and you do have to leave people out, people that are in good form. Uh, Jake, as you had said, uh, Frankfurt's Amin Yunus, uh, Philip Max, uh, Julian Brandt, guys who can definitely make an impact and have made an impact before, whether it be for a friendly, a competitive match, or, um, you know, albeit even in an international tournament, if memory serves me correct, Brandt had, uh, had some positive performances in World Cup 2018, which is few and far between because there weren't many of those, uh, you know, coming on as a sub. So uh, I, I think that this squad is capable even of getting out of a difficult group, right? We have France, Portugal, and Hungary to get by to qualify for the knockout stages. Uh, but I think with this squad, they're fully capable of doing it, regardless of the emissions that were made. Uh, I still think there is actually some sort of flex period in case some sort of injury happens um, where alternatives can be called in. I do know Tony, Tony Kroos recently came down with coronavirus, so he might miss actually the beginning of camp uh, when Dimanshoff meets up to prep for the friendlies leading up to the camp before uh, the European Championships. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with that, if he's going to be allowed to have a replacement just for the friendly or something, or if he's just going to go with 25 men instead. But not really a big issue. He should be fine for the Euros and, and for the start. So yeah, I don't have any complaints with this. Um, as much as we could sit here and nitpick Joachim Love and some of the decisions he's made in the past, uh, I mean, we there would be no point in doing that. You know, we would just we could do that until we were blue in the face. But um, my biggest concern would just be getting the right system in place and getting the right players in the right positions, um, especially up front. I'd be curious to see what he's going to do with the formation, whether it's going to be a you know, sort of a front three with a false nine, so to speak, where we have someone like Serge Gnabry occupying that false nine and using Timo Werner in a wider role or playing Timo Werner as a straight number nine and a straight striker or perhaps even Thomas Müller as that secondary striker or even a false nine. I mean, the guy can do it all up front if, if we're being quite honest. So I'll be curious to see. And, you know, 
one of the points of concern, you know, the amount of chances that Timo Werner misses for Chelsea. He hasn't seemed to have been able to uh, to turn that around. So that's one point of concern for me. So, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but there'll be a lot of question marks, obviously, if the attack doesn't fire on all cylinders. But, you know, there's a lot of time in between now and the start of the Euros, and Joachim Love will have to get this right, and I think he has that flexibility because we all know he's going to be walking out the door after this summer's European Championship. So it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off and in the same way puts some of it on because he'll want to, you know, go out on top for his last tournament. So fingers crossed, Jake. I can't complain too much with this this 26-man roster. So I want to touch on three more squads that will be consisting of Bayern players. Nobody from the Spanish contingent of Bayern Munich got selected, which kind of makes sense, right? Uh, Javi Martinez and Mark Roca haven't exactly performed to what a national team would consider uh, to be uh, the higher level that they need. David Alaba has been called up to the Austria squad, as has Robert Lewandowski to Poland. Uh, but now we get to go ahead and look at basically the other team that Bayern is going to be rooting for, France. Um, I won't run through the entire list. I will just cover the players that are from the Bundesliga. Spoiler alert, they're almost all from Bayern. The one non-Bayern player from the Bundesliga is Marcus Taram which is a great choice. Uh, otherwise, we have Kingsley Coman, Corinton Tolisso, for, I was about to say for some reason, but no. Uh, makes sense looking at this team. He's a pretty good, solid defensive midfielder, fitting in with Pogba, Sissoko, Kante, Tomas Omar, and uh, Adrian Rabiot. And then on defense, Luca Hernandez and Benjamin Pavar. Interesting note. Uh, Dio Upamecano was not selected for this roster. So, Tom. Oh, also, uh, I guess uh, Byron, Relentless Bayern target Eduardo Camavinga has not been selected as well. So, that is an interesting thing. And I had a theory this morning, and I really appreciated that Camavinga was not selected because that means that he won't have a fantastic Euros, and that means that his price won't balloon an extra 50 million Euros when Bayern tries to sign him over the summer. So I appreciate the uh, French national team and Didier Deschamps for looking out for us in that regard. So, Tom, what do you think of the selections for... Uh, the French national team from the Bundesliga, specifically the ones that Bayern has on their roster. Well, I think the Bayern three, uh, as you mentioned, Pavar, Luca Hernandez, and Tolisso, uh, and Coman, excuse me, Coman, I think they all kind of picked themselves. They, fantastic form. I, I think it'd be absolutely ridiculous to leave either of them out. Tolisso, obviously, is on the fringe. He has a good history with the French national team. Uh, a very impactful player in the 2018 World Cup. I believe he scored a goal against Peru, if I'm not mistaken. It already feels like it's been so long ago. Um, and obviously, as we know, Pavard, Mr. I, AKA, I only score volleys and worldies, scored that amazing goal against Argentina. They, these guys have been on the big stage. Obviously, Kingsley Coman, unlucky with his injury history to have missed out on international tournaments in the past, but I think he'll be chomping at the bit. Uh, and I think there's no reason that those three, that Bayern French contingent should not be uh, in Le Bleu squad for Didier Deschamps. And I think that they're all going to play at least uh, uh, somewhat of a part. I would probably gather that Pavard, Hernandez, and Coman will be likely starters, at least for several of the group stage matches. Maybe not Tolisso, because as you mentioned, Jake, there's a pretty talented midfield core to compete for minutes against. You know, with Kante, Paul Pogba, Adrian Rabiot, uh, Sissoko, there's a lot of competition for minutes there. But uh, we'll have to see how that pans out when we get to this summer's tournament. Uh, and also, too, the elephant in the room, Karim Benzema returning to the French squad for the first time, I think, since um, the infamous 2010 World Cup. But I don't know if he's been in the squad, actually, since then. But it's been quite a while since he's been in the squad, you know, the kind of the fallout that he had way back with, I believe it was Laurent Blanc at the time. Um, so this has been a long time coming too, especially for the form that he's been in for Real Madrid. Uh, it pains me to say anything positive about Real Madrid, but you can't deny how class he's been for them uh, for the past couple of seasons. So he's in the squad, and I'll be curious to see how he does this summer, if he can translate his success uh, from Madrid into uh, the French national team kit. But Dio Uvamakano, obviously 
from a Bayern connection standpoint, will be joining us this summer, but one of the most glaring omissions from Didier Deschamps' squad. And I think this is just a matter of Deschamps picking players who are also in fantastic form. And as we said, uh, you know, uh, why am I already drawing a blank? Um, was it Zuma, Kimpembe, Jake, that you had said? Uh, Luca Dean, they were picked. I don't actually have the squad in front of me, embarrassingly yeah, so, enough. Yeah, so the French the French uh, defensive squad, right, to pick up Tom's point, is Rafael Varane, Luca Digne, Pavar Hernandez, Presnel Kimpembe, Clement Langlais, Kazuma, Leo Dubois of Lyon, and Jules Koundé of Sevilla. So Jules Koundé will be making his... Uh, if he score, if he steps on the pitch, he will be making his French national team debut. The 22-year-old has never appeared for the French national team before. Uh, three notable omissions. We mentioned Upamecano. I guess we could also mention Ibrahimo Konate as well. Uh, Ruben Aguiar and Ferland Mendy. None of them made this roster. So it's a pretty stacked squad, and I honestly think that it just so happens to be that you can only call up 26 players to the squad, right? I imagine Upamecano was probably one of the closest people getting uh, eliminated. So if we take a look at players that didn't make it, we could basically make a 3-4-3 out of players that were good that didn't make it from this French team, right? Alphonse Ariola, Ferland Mendy, Ruben Aguiar, and Dio Upamecano in defense. The midfield is... Usama Awar, Eduardo Camavinga, uh, Steven Nzanzi, and Tangi Ndombele. Uh, and then the forwards, right? Anthony Martial is not in this roster. Nabil Fakir is not in this roster. Jonathan Ikone is not in this roster. That forward squad, I guess now I, I've basically named the entire squad, so now I'll just continue to name it. They named one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight forwards on this team. Taram, as we mentioned before, Coman, as we mentioned before. Olivier Giroud, Antoine Griezmann, Karim Benzema makes his return to the French squad after, you know, that thing that he was eliminated from the French squad for. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, Osman Dembele, Wissam Ben Yedder, and Marcus Taram. Interesting note here, right? I'm looking at the... Uh, the French squad, right? With Karim Benzema coming in, they're giving him back the number 10 shirt. Griezmann has the 7. Olivier Giroud has the 9. This, According to Wikipedia, Kylian Mbappe is going to stroll up to the, uh, to, to the Euros wearing number 12 of all numbers, which is interesting because if you consider other attacking numbers, right, 17's been taken by Sissoko, 13's been taken by Kante, uh, 19's been taken by Luca Digne, so I guess that's the only option that he had left. It's just an interesting thing. Bunch of people buying number 12 Killian Mbappe jerseys for the summer. What, Jake, was that Henri's number for France? I mean, maybe maybe he's he's willingly gone for that because of that I, i'm complete i'm literally gonna have to google that i, was, I thought Henri was 14. i think he was 14 for arsenal but i thought he was 12 for france and of course now i'm drawing a blank we have to get i could play some we could insert some uh, jeopardy music here while jake searches for that but i want to say he was I vividly remember so many matches seeing him in the 14 for Arsenal, but I want to say it was 12 yeah. for France. Yeah, in the 04 Euros, he wore number 12. So, I mean, if that's the case, then that then that kind of makes sense. But I don't know. I just think 12 on an attack. Was it so was it only for that tournament, or was it were there multiple tournaments where he? Uh, I'm trying I don't to. Know. I'm it trying is, to think. Is, uh, 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 yeah, it is looking like multiple tournaments. So. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess I I'm mean, wrong there. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like 12 is a very weird number for attackers. Well, if you're French and you want to, you know, get a number after one of the best strikers the game has ever seen and France has ever seen, 12 yeah. is not a bad look. No, no, of <laughs> course not. But just like other than Thierry Henry, can you name me another striker that wore 12? First name that comes to mind is Fabio Aurelio from Liverpool, but he was a left back. <laughs> and I don't know why that popped in my head. I just... Recently saw him doing some punditry uh, for a Brazilian outlet and uh, saying some kind things about Liverpool, but that absolutely has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Love Fabio Aurelio, though. Um, I think he was a great left back. As far as strikers, uh, 
I am trying to think. Yeah, I mean, they're always normally 10, 9, 7. Uh, Miroslav Klosa was 11, which is one away yeah. from 12, but <laughs> not 12. I mean, Thomas Muller uh, is 13, which is one away from 12. What's your point? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you know a striker that wore 12, leave it in the comments below. But uh, uh, with that said, though, I think this is going to be a good point to wrap it up. Thank you very much for listening. Please be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. Follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks. Uh, we've already mentioned our Twitter enough before. And until next time, when the next full episode of the show, I think is probably going to be our last episode of the season. Uh, we will see you all later. Auf Wiedersehen.